Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. There are different ways that churches, different churches use different, they call it modes, or we call it modes, M-O-D-E-S, types or ways that they baptize. And uh, traditionally in uh, different denominations, they use, there's three ways. There's sprinkling. Some of you may have been brought up in a denomination where the primary way of baptizing was sprinkling, taking water and sprinkling it over your head. Then for some, they baptize by pouring or effusion. And as they take a cup of water or something and pour it over your head. And then for many, and most evangelical churches, Protestant churches, are baptized by what we call immersion. Immersion, by being placed under the water. Now, uh, there's a lot of questions and confusion and misinformation today when it comes to the subject of, of baptism. What is it? How is it done? Why do it? When should it be done? And is it really that important? The word immerse means to dip or to submerge, to plunge. To, uh, it also means to involve completely, to bury. Or I like to use the term, it means being all in. Being all in. I believe that the biblical pattern is immersion. And uh, understand, this is coming up from a boy that was brought up in a country church that was a Methodist church. And uh, uh, there's some denominations that use all three methods, just according to the choice of the individual. But personally, I believe that the biblical pattern uh, and way to baptize is immersion. Now, however, we've seen in, in, uh, in some uh, examples over the, the years, we've seen examples where because of certain emergency situations and circumstances, no water available or a medical situation that uh, they did not immerse. They just poured water on them or something. And you know, it's not about the amount of water. It's about the heart, right? And so, but I believe the biblical pattern is immersion. There was a little boy that decided he was going to baptize the family pet, Boots the Cat. And so he filled up the bathtub and got in the bathroom and he reached out and he took boots, grabbed boots by the hand and took boots over and tried to put boots in the water and said, I baptize you in the name of, and then boots, of course, had not been declawed. He scratched around and, and, and jumped out of the boy's hand. He didn't give up. He reached over and he grabbed boots again and again and placed him down. He said, I baptize you in the name, and then boots jumped out again and couldn't get him. And finally, the little boy just reached down in the water and dipped up some water and threw it on the cat and said, okay, just be a Methodist then. <laughs> now, you know, in the day of political correctness, you have to always be ready to apologize for offending someone. Uh, but since I was a Methodist, then I can, I, have, I can do that. Okay, one time in my life. So... Uh, it is, an, it is a matter of the heart, but I do believe that the biblical pattern and way to baptize is, is to immerse. And when we look in the scripture, uh, 
We can see that. The word baptized comes from, actually comes from two Greek words. Bapto, B-A-P-T-O, or baptizo, B-A-P-T-I-Z-O. And uh, these words mean to dip or to immerse. So it's pretty plain that in most instances we could see that the interpretation of the meaning of the word uh, baptism would be to immerse. Interesting when we look at when Jesus was baptized. And you read about it in Matthew chapter 3. And we, we pick up with verse 13 through 15. Now, uh, Jesus came to John to be baptized and John tried to talk him out of it. He tried to talk him out of it. It just didn't seem to be proper. And in verse 13, he said, uh, it says, Jesus went to Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized. I need, I, I'm the one that needs you to baptize. And so why are you coming to me? And Jesus said, well, it should be done for it must be carried out as God requires or as the New King James Version uh, and very closely to the King James Version says, allow or permit it to be to fulfill all righteousness. And so we ask the question, well, why was Jesus baptized anyway? We, uh, we know that he had no sins. There was no need to repent. We know that he didn't need to be saved. So why was he baptized? Well, we can, we can agree on the fact that we believe that Jesus was baptized in the example. He sets an example. Also, I believe his baptism was a, a strategic point of launching his ministry, three and a half years of ministry on earth. Historically, we've seen that priests would begin their ministry with an anointing or turn to baptism sometimes, an anointing at 30 years of age. How old was Jesus probably when he was baptized? Probably 30 years of age. But I think that this points to a time of launching into ministry. And because right after this, he went uh, to be tempted for 40 days and nights, and then the ministry began. And also I think that Jesus in doing this was just portraying the message of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection. The Bible says that when Jesus was baptized, uh, he was baptized and then he went up from the water. And a lot of people use that verse to prove Immersion. I don't think necessarily it is a proof text to say that Jesus was immersed, but I do believe that Jesus was immersed. He immediately went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove coming to rest on him. So is this thing baptism, water baptism, is it important? I feel a little bit ashamed of the fact that after uh, preaching some 50 years, that um, I don't know whether I've ever, I probably haven't preached over one or two, if, if any, specifically on water baptism. We teach it in our one-on-one class, various things, but as far as a Sunday morning. And it's almost like we're saying it's not really that important. But that's not the case at all. Water baptism is very important. In fact, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, look at it, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, he sends them out with authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. And teach them, the disciples, uh, to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
Dr. Adrian Rogers, who passed away some years ago, but he had a powerful statement that just simply said, baptism is not incidental, it's fundamental. Don't ever minimize what God has maximized. For some, talking about baptism is the main subject. There are some denominations that teach on baptism continuously. Usually those that believe that baptism is necessary in order for a person to be saved. Then there are those that just simply ignore it altogether and give the congregation or people that they're teaching, give them the idea that this is optional. It's not really that important. It's unfortunate that we've given people that idea because water baptism is very, very important. One pastor said, baptism is not an optional ritual to be delayed or postponed. It is a public announcement to the world that I am not ashamed to be a part of God's family. So when you look at the New Testament pattern of baptism, it appears that most of the time when, when people came to Christ and they, were, uh, they believed on Him as Savior, that as soon as possible after that, they were baptized in water. And I still think that is the pattern that should be followed today. Sometimes it is not uh, possible because of logistics and arrangements and equipment and those things. But as we see more and more people come to Christ here at Covenant, as we see more and more people that are born again, then um, it's okay for us just to have a place where that baptistry stays set up all the time and every Sunday or once a month or whatever, people come to Christ and they're, they're baptized then. Now, baptism uh, really, true baptism is for the believer. If you don't have the ability to believe, then you cannot be, I think, biblically baptized. That's why I don't believe the Bible teaches infant baptism. We dedicate babies here, children, and I think you can see biblical principles that, that support that, of dedicating yourself and your children to the Lord. But we don't baptize babies because babies do not have the ability to understand and believe the gospel. Acts 2.41 says, those who believed, it's on the day of Pentecost, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day some 3,000. In Acts chapter 8 verse 12, it says the people believed Philip's message, the gospel of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, many men and women were baptized. Acts chapter 8 verse 36 through 38, the Ethiopian eunuch he was riding along there in the, in the uh, and uh, he, he meets up with the uh, apostle there, the messenger, and he comes and he's, he's talking about, uh, he's reading in the book of Isaiah and he wants an explanation of this. Uh, Peter shares with him uh, what that really means, is talking about Jesus and uh, him giving his life for them. And so he, he, he understands the gospel. He believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior. And at that point in time, it seems that as they're traveling along, they, they come by a place where there's water. And here's what it says. The, the Ethiopian eunuch said, look, there's some water. What hinders me from being baptized? Or why can't I be baptized now? And Peter said in verse 37, if you believe with all your heart, you may. 
And uh, then he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. You repent, you believe, you're baptized. That's the sequence. Baptism always follows genuine belief and faith. Acts chapter 10, verse 44 through 46, you have the story of Peter going to the Gentiles to Cornelius. And when they believe, they are baptized in an entire household, his family. Same thing with Paul and the Philippian jailer, his whole household. Same thing with Acts chapter 18, where Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with his whole household and also many of the Corinthians. And when they heard and when they believed, they were then baptized. Here's the thing, folks. Frankly, the idea of unbaptized Christians is foreign to the New Testament. It just followed suit that once you came to Christ, you exercised your faith, the next thing you did, you were baptized in his name. That's the biblical pattern. Baptism is incredibly important. It's an act of obedience. But get this, this is important. But baptism does not save you, Jesus does. This is important. There are those who teach that water baptism is necessary in order for a person to be saved or born again. It's called baptismal regeneration. But we're not saved by an act, but the act of baptism demonstrates the way we were saved. Max Lucado said, we're given credit for the perfect life we did not lead, indeed a life we could never lead. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, the Bible says, he saved us, the Lord, saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins and has given us a new birth, a new life through the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2, you know, verse 8 and 9, where it tells us that, that for by, by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So it's not a work or practice or something you do that saves you. It is the mercy, the grace of God and your faith in receiving that. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. You see, here's it. God accepts you and I on the basis of our faith, our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior, as the Son of God, not on how much water covers you when you're baptized. So there is what I believe is incorrect teaching of baptism and regeneration. Let me point out a couple of areas that are normally used because you, you, make, you may be confronted with this from time to time and I think it's good for us to take a quick look at this so that there's no misunderstanding that baptism is extremely important, that it's for all who believe on Jesus and all who believe on Jesus should be baptized. It's, a, it's an act of obedience to the Lord. And it's not something, we don't have to put this way, well, do I have to be baptized? When a person says, do I have to be baptized, it reveals something about the heart or lack of submission. Now, some people are a little bit more reserved and hesitant about it. They don't clearly understand. It takes them a little while to, to get a grasp on it. But quite simply, the Bible teaches that once a person comes to Christ, believes on him, 
that then there should be that open profession, that act of water baptism. It's important to know what it means, but it's important to know that that follows when you believe. But being baptized in water doesn't make you any more saved than you were when you came to Christ. It just make, puts you in a position of obedience, which is always where you want to be as a Christian, following Him. Because if we're not in obedience to the Lord, then problems, there are problems that come with that in our relationship with Him. Look at these, these couple of references right quick, and then I'm going to close out with uh, just four very brief things to talk about what baptism means. And I thought it was extremely important for me to hit on this today because there's many of you here today that are being baptized. And so this helps to get you grounded in this even more than you are right now. And there are perhaps some here this morning that you have, you have come to Christ. You've believed on Him as your Savior. But you've not really yet made the decision to be baptized. Some, there may be some people here today that you were baptized when you were very young, but you didn't realize the significance of it. It was kind of a church thing, a religious thing. It hasn't been real to you. And here's one of the keys as to whether it was real to you is did it make a difference in your life? It's a revelation of something happened in your heart for a new direction. So if that's the case, and I, and I don't know, I don't know your situation. My prayer has been during this week is that, Lord, if, if, if there are people present Sunday morning, that this is something that they've made the choice to receive Christ, and yet this is something that they've really not followed through with yet, that, Lord, that you'll speak to them today. And there may be those today that before we leave today, you make the decision that you want to be baptized. We don't yet have change of clothing. We will have some of that available in future times, but we do have towels. <laughs> and it won't hurt to ride home a little wet. But don't let the enemy keep you from a great blessing of the Lord. We'd be excited for all those you that would like to make that decision. And, and if that's the case, then uh, at the very close of our time together, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to actually make that choice to do that. Now, a couple of things. To show that a couple of scriptures that are normally used or that are used by some people to say that when you're baptized that that's when you're saved or without water baptism you're, you can't be a Christian. Uh, here's a couple of the primary ones. One from Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. I'm going to hit this quickly, so stay with me. This is on the day of Pentecost. And Peter says, each of you, they say, what, what are we going to do? What, what do we have to do to be saved? And he says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Here's the, here's the clincher. In the King James Version and some of the other versions, it says, in the name of Jesus, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Now that sounds to me like you need to be baptized so that your sins will be forgiven. The question there comes actually in the meaning of, of the, uh, actually the, the translation of the word for. Because you see that, and it's thrown a lot of people off over the years. The word for there is a little Greek word or, or, or phrase uh, I guess it's kind of like a uh, preposition that is 
ice, but it's spelled uh, E-I-S, ice. And it can be in, for, into, because of. It can be all of those. So watch this. Repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus because of the forgiveness of your sins. Because you have been forgiven, be baptized. And I believe that is the meaning of this when you read it in the context of all other scriptures that apply to water baptism. He says, then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39 says, the promise is to you, to your children, and to those after you, all who have been called by the Lord our God. The other reference is used sometimes to try to say that baptism uh, is when you're baptized is when you're forgiven of your sins or is necessary for salvation is, is taken from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. And, and listen to this. In the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, there a few, that is eight people, eight persons were saved through water. The King James Version says in verse 21, the light figure whereunto even baptism does also now save us. Well, doesn't that say that baptism saves us? No. It doesn't. Actually, it's, when you look at the whole picture here, let me just ask you a simple question. Who were the eight people that were rescued and saved with Noah and the ark? He and his wife and kids. Family. All right. Let me ask you one other simple question. Were they saved by the water or by the ark? Well, duh. This verse is pointing to the ark. That Jesus is the ark. It was the act of the ark as a deliverer from the death of the water that's like baptism. And Jesus is the one who delivers us from sin, from the guilt of sin and death. It is through him that we're saved, not through water baptism. And though there are different beliefs or different opinions about this, I believe when you follow the, all, all the different references to water baptism and salvation by grace through faith, you have to come to this conclusion that you're not saved at water baptism. You're saved through, by grace through faith. You must repent, then you must believe, and then you're baptized as a profession or confession of what's happened on the inside of you when you were saved. I'm going to ask, does that make sense to anyone? Well, it does to a few of you. That's good. <laughs> the truth is there are some people who have not been baptized yet, but they're believers. And if they die now, they'll go to heaven. But they're missing out on some things. First of all, there's an area that they've held back in obedience to the Lord. God blesses obedience. There's something lacking there. They're still saved. And then there are some people, there are some lost people who've been baptized. Well, a lot of people that got baptized in church or in the creek or river or wherever, they never believed on Christ. 
If you go through the act of baptism, but there's been no genuine repentance and faith in Christ, then it's meaningless. It's meaningless. As I shared before, that happened to me as a kid when I was 12 years old. It was our annual revival at the little country church. And when you were about 11, 12 years old, that's when the pressure was on to go down and we just said, join the church. Isn't it about time for you to make a profession of faith? Well, I guess it is, especially if my buddies, my friends do, then I will. And so we go down, you're in revival, we make the decision, and shortly after you go, this happened to be, we went to a creek, a cold, cold creek, and we were baptized. And look, it had some meaning to me. I, I understand that at that time it had some meaning to me. I, I felt that it was important. It was a good thing to do. But I don't believe at that time that it was a, that it was a genuine representation of what had happened in my heart. I don't believe that I understand the significance of following faith in Christ with water baptism. And so I, I think it was a good thing to do. And by God's grace, he kept me alive all through this time until finally I could realize what it really meant to believe on Christ, to be born again. And then later on after that, I was baptized again. Which I don't think there's any harm in that. It needs to come after your genuine commitment to understand the gospel. So baptism alone is powerless for forgiveness of your sins. It does not save you. That's, that's what I believe. Now let me point out four things, and it won't take me just a moment. Baptism is, and I'm, I'm going to make it easy for us to remember. First of all, baptism is a picture. Everyone say picture. picture. That always makes the guy feel tremendously powerful to be able to say everyone say something, and then they say it. <laughs> it's like, Ooh, look how much control and authority I have. <clears throat> but this is just to help us remember. I'm just joking. Everyone say picture. picture. Thank you. <laughs> Baptism is a picture or a, we could say it's a symbol. In some respects, I think we could say it's a symbol. Romans chapter six, verse four says, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. And by the way, Romans six is not talking about water. It's talking about faith in Christ that now your old life is gone and you are now in Christ. I don't believe there's a drop of water in Romans chapter 6 verse 4, but it does, it's a wonderful symbol. It shows us a picture of what happens when you come to Christ. Uh, Romans chapter 6 verse 4 says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. This is what happens. When I talk to people being baptized, uh, or, or talk about it, I say, look, what this is simply is this. When you're let down under the water, it is a picture of your old life before Christ is gone. You repent, you've turned from that. When you're brought up out of the water, it's a picture or a symbol of now, Lord, I have a brand new life and I want to live it for you. The second thing, is, it's not only a picture, but it's a profession. Everybody say profession. profession. A profession or confession. It is an open confession or testimony that now you are identifying with Christ. It's kind of like an initiation. I now identify that I have chosen to follow Christ. He's my Savior. And look, that might be a little bit difficult for some people today in church and they might be a little bit hesitant about it. 
to go ahead and make that kind of decision, feel a little bit embarrassed about it, especially if they've been coming to church for a long time. I've seen people, I've been coming for a long time, and man, it's going to be embarrassing to say, I, I, I want to be baptized. What are people going to think? It doesn't matter what people think, first of all. And listen, people here are going to be saying, amen, great, praise God, I'm glad you made that decision. So it doesn't matter about that. But look, for most, probably for all of you that are being baptized today and all of us that have been baptized, it didn't put our life on the line when we did. We probably went home and ate a meal and enjoyed freedom and continued to worship. But there's some places in this world that to make the decision to be baptized in water and to publicly make that confession separates you from your family, puts you in a place sometimes of of, um, of isolation and of persecution. Look, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost to thousands of people, he was speaking primarily to Jewish people. And they said, what do we need to do? Because he had preached that, look, Jesus died, you crucified him, and he was a son of God, and he died for us. And they said, well, what are we going to do then? And he says, you need to repent and believe on him and be baptized. You need to open, and listen, there was no secret disciples as far as Peter was concerned. You need to openly confess and profess that now I was wrong, but I've chosen to follow Christ, and I don't care if my fellow Jews are aware of it. I don't care if I'm ostracized from the, from the synagogue. I don't care if my family pulls away from me. I now identify as a follower of Christ. That is a drastic decision. And for most people today in America, it's not that way. Thank God. But what I'm using this to say is, this just points out the significance and importance of it and making that open declaration. You see, today we're going to go out. We're going to go out the building and we're going to stand out there. And those of you that are going to be baptized and all the rest of you that are gathered around those who are being baptized, they are surrounded by fellow believers and they're surrounded by friends and family. That is great. <clears throat> it's great to profess your faith before other believers and family. But water baptism is primarily about an open profession of your faith to those who have not yet believed. Sometimes it might be good for us to plan a water baptism out in community surrounding somewhere where there's a lot of lost folks, people without Christ, and people that you know that have not yet come to Christ, and you can invite them to come to this very weird, strange-looking experience, and you'll openly profess Christ, and it'll change them too. They'll say, whoa, what's going on? <clears throat> Let me tell you, that type of profession <clears throat> will help you as a Christian because now you've taken your stand. I'm not perfect yet. I'm not perfect yet. Being baptized in water is not going to make me perfect. I've got some growing to do. There's still some things need to happen in my life. But I'm telling you, I've picked whose side I'm on. And I've made up my mind who I'm going to follow. And if you'll, if you'll take that kind of stand in the presence of other people, it'll help you. It'll help you. Well, it is a picture, it's a profession. Number three, this is number three out of four. I believe that water baptism is prophetic. It's more than just a, a symbol, it's prophetic. It is a spiritual declaration of the gospel of Christ and the kingdom of God 
But it's also a prophetic statement about now you are a person who looks forward to the resurrection. It's a prophetic statement of the fact that you will be raised from the dead. So it has prophetic significance in many ways. And finally, it is not only a picture and it is not only a profession and it is not only prophetic, but it's powerful. Water baptism is a powerful act. It's not just going through some type of little religious ceremony. I use the word sacrament. Some people get a little nervous with the word sacrament because it's used mostly in, the, in Roman Catholicism. But it doesn't belong to Roman Catholicism. It belongs to the church when you understand the true meaning of sacrament. Now, for me, let me just kind of give you a general definition. of sacrament is, I think, a particular ceremony or time or season when there is a manifestation or expression of God's presence and grace. I try to counsel when Deb and I are counseling with, with couples that are about to get married. <clears throat> and I talk with them about their wedding ceremony. And I, one of the things that we stress is the fact that, look, I know you can go to a justice of peace or civilly, you know, to a civil organization, whatever. You can go be married, but listen, you can go online and get your papers and marry somebody, you know, not today. So. But look, when you stand in a covenant marriage where you both have covenanted to one another and to the Lord, and you stand before someone who is performing that ceremony, and here's what I tell them. I said, <clears throat> no matter how long you've known each other, I want you to see this ceremony as not just a ceremony where you're saying certain words and now legally you're married. Here's what I tell them. I says, when I ask you to join my hands at the conclusion of the ceremony and I place my hand on yours and many, I've, I've performed ceremonies for many of you that are here this morning. I place my hand on your hands. Then I say, I'm believing that that moment when I pronounce you husband and wife together, that there is a work of grace that happens to where supernaturally, because you've made the decision to unite together as one person, that supernaturally you become one. That's just my conviction. Because that's the way we pray, that's the way we believe, and I, that they're there ready to receive that. When you come forward to receive Christ, and someone lays hands on you and prays for you to receive Christ, I believe that when you make the decision to receive Christ, at that moment there's a work of grace that goes on in your heart to where you become one with Christ. I believe in that marriage ceremony that when they come together in faith and they, you pronounce them one together, I believe this is a supernatural work of God where God pronounces them one together. I say all this to say that sacrament, sacrament to me here represents that when you're baptized in water, expect the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. People say, well, will I feel any different when I go in water and come up? I don't know. I don't know. I've, over the many years, I've had people go in the water and just come up and just, you know, it's wonderful, it's good, and walk out, and that's fine. They may have had a, something very wonderful and meaningful go on on the inside of them. That's fine. It's not about the outward show. 
But I baptized some folks that came up out of that water and I, you'd have to move the side. They're going to knock you down. I mean, they come up out of that water and it's like that in that water, that, I mean, it's like the water's been charged. That something happened when they, and, it, and it wasn't that the water was miraculous. It was that they exercised that faith and God came with a manifestation of his presence, his power. I've had people come up crying, people laughing. I believe that this act of obedience, you can expect a manifestation of the grace and the power of God to do something in you. So I'm telling you, young and old alike, when you're baptized today, believe that because of your obedience and surrender to him, when you are placed under the water, that is an extreme act of surrender to him and yielding to his lordship. And expect the power of the Holy Spirit to do something on the inside of you that will change you from then on out.